This is a download from the Wireless Theatre Company. Jacker and Baker by Michael Hodd. It is a chilly spring day in April 1912. A tall, blonde-haired young man has just received directions from the Porter's Lodge in Brasenose College, Oxford. He strides quickly towards Q staircase, checks a name hand-painted in white on a black background inside the Gothic arched entrance, and bounds up the stairs, two at a time. Come in. Hello. Arnold Jackson. Excuse my turning up in your rooms unannounced. I don't know if you remember, but I ran the half-mile for Cambridge in the varsity match last week. Why, yes, of course. You're Baker, Philip Baker. Come in, take a seat. Thank you. You'll have some tea? That's very kind. I'll just get my scout to knock something up. Jenkinson, some tea, please. The usual for two. Well, I haven't had a chance to congratulate you on your brilliant win in the mile. I spent all yesterday with R.S. Clark, the Cambridge first string you thrashed. You must have beaten him by a good 50 yards. He is terribly down. I couldn't understand it. There's no fight with him at all off the last bend and into the home straight. Well, it seems he had a massage before the race, and the masseur squeezed all the life out of his legs. Well, that's what he said. <laughs> I tried to tell him he'd done all right, that second was very creditable. He did a very fast time, four minutes twenty-two. In fact, that's the fastest time run in Britain this year. He said he'd never heard of you and that you'd only ever run a mile once before. Beaten by a novice, he said. Well, that's true. My first senior mile race ever was in the Oxford Trials. So you've never done much running? I had to run at school. I was made athletics captain of Morven although I never liked running much. It's ironic. I was captain of the boxing team as well, but I didn't like that much either. So when I came to Oxford, I vowed to give up running and boxing and do mainly rowing, with a bit of soccer and rugby in the winter and cricket and tennis in the summer. The team games are more sociable, they're more fun. I can't agree with you there. To me, running means more than any game or sport. It's on a plane with the great forms of art. It has a dramatic power that nothing else has. It brings in qualities of spirit that are beyond price. And what makes it so important is that it is so simple that its appeal is universal. Come. Ah, good man, Jenkinson. Put it down there, thank you. My word, that's quite a spread. When I was rowing, we got in the habit of having tea together when we came off the river. My treat for the boat was always cinnamon toast, honey, and hothouse grapes. So what got you back on the track? Hothouse grapes had a lot to do with it. My Uncle Jackie is bursar of Hartford College. And my father asked him to keep an eye on me, settle my battles and so on. Battles? Oxford slang for a college bill. He hauled me in to tell me I was being extravagant. I spent ten pounds on hothouse grapes last term. I told him they were recommended to prevent arthritis. <laughs> he was a runner, but he suffers like the devil from his joints. <laughs> Bit of a long shot, but he fell for it. He asked me how the rowing had gone. I told him the college boat made five bumps, all except the first day. Then Uncle Jackie said I was wasting my time rowing. I was too light at 165 pounds. He said that if I went down to the Iffley Road athletics track, he'd make me into a miler and I'd get my blue. I told him I wasn't cut out for running. I've got a varicose vein in my left leg. The devil you have. What brought that on? I reckon it was at school. As a senior, you have to run in long socks up to the knee. 
I lost an elastic garter and used to tie up my left sock with a length of string. This restricted the circulation when I ran and gave me the varicose vein. Does it hurt? It aches when I've been standing round. And I have to put my feet up, as you've probably noticed, and wear an elastic bandage. Does it affect your running? Well, as I told Uncle Jackie, it can't do it any good. But he wasn't having any of it. He started sending a porter around to find me at lunchtime and get me down to the track for the afternoon. He put me in for the Oxford Trials. That was my first ever senior mile race. Well, I ran that race with two broken ribs. I told Uncle Jackie I needed a day off training the day before to keep fresh. I played rugby instead and got knocked about a bit. Had to run with a padded cotton belt around my chest. Jackie wasn't much pleased to say the least. He said I'd never beat the Oxford number one, Lutchens, so I was not to try to win and risk aggravating the injury, but to aim for second and make sure I got my blue. Well, I followed instructions. I was a couple of feet behind Lutchens at the tape and I had to ease up so as not to antagonise Uncle Jackie. I could have won comfortably. Well, you saw I beat Lutchens by about a quarter of a lap in the varsity match. I was annoyed, though. All through school and everything, I never lost a mile race until then. Before we go any further, I presume you haven't heard. Heard what? We've both been invited to run in the 1500 metres in the Stockholm Olympics in July. I've come over as soon as I got the news. My God! How fantastic! What an honour! There's one catch, though. We're late entries and we'll have to pay our own way. Well, I think my father will stump up. He's pretty keen on anything that waves the flag. Well, my father will be very keen. Anything that brings the nations of the world together in friendly rivalry. Wait a minute. I thought you had to run in the Olympic trials to get into the team. Well, from the trials, it seems the selectors didn't think any of the runners would be a challenge to the Americans. The Yanks have the reigning Olympic champion and the world record holders for both the mile and the 1500 metres. They're looking to the future and will be good experience for us. Well, timing's a bit damn inconvenient. I've arranged a fishing holiday in Norway in July. Now I suppose Uncle Jackie will be on my neck again to go down to the Iffley Road track. I was looking forward to a bit of tennis and cricket this summer. Well, I've also got some things to handle. I don't know when I'm going to train. It's April now. I've got my final exams for the economics tripos coming up in June. I have a lot of studying to do. My eyes aren't very good. I have difficulty reading. I expect I'll need spectacles. I don't know what. Well, the games might not come off. I hear the Finns want to enter, but the Russians won't let them. Bohemia wants to participate, but the Austrians are against this. Then the Greeks say they should have every other Olympics by their reckoning. After the first, in 1896, they reckon it was their turn again in 1904, but it went to Paris. Never mind, they still think it's their turn this year. Don't worry. Baron de Coubertin will sort it out. By the way, I notice you've got a big scar on your hand. How did you come by that? Ah, fell on some railings when I was at prep school. We climbed up to get a better view of the Mafeking Parade as it passed the school and I slipped. Well, I hope the view was worth it. My word, yes. I've never forgotten it to this day. Marching bands, rockets, fireworks. Maybe want to be a soldier. I can't think of anything better. Well, I can't agree with you there. My family are Quakers and pacifists. Anyway, perhaps I'd better be getting along. What with one thing and another, we might not have another chance to meet up before we set out for Stockholm. By the way, congratulations. Congratulations yourself. See you on the boat train. Jacker? Jacker, over here! You're cutting it a bit fine, old chap. Give me your bag. Porter, can you manage the others? Along here, I've kept your seat with the Oxford and Cambridge chaps. 
There's about a dozen of us all told. Good Lord. Look at all these people. Let me get out of this dinner jacket. If you could hand me over that blue valise from the rack, I'll nip along the corridor and change. Absolutely bush. Some chaps insisted on seeing me off. I've come straight from the Cafe Royal. Luckily, I had the foresight to have my luggage in a cab waiting outside. I knew they wouldn't let me leave until the very last minute. This is us. Looks like we have a stateroom to ourselves. Sorry we had to wake you up. You slept all the way from King's Cross. Put those down there, please, Stuart. For your trouble. I haven't asked you how your summer's been. Exams all right? Can't complain. Ended up with a double first in Tripos. That's the good news. I've got spectacles now. They help my reading. I would have run in them, of course. My impacted wisdom tooth gives me some jib from time to time. And to cap it all, I turned over my ankle running in the hills. I have to keep it strapped up. It's still sore, but I can't afford to let it rest and heal properly. I did so little training when I was cramming for tripos, you see. Well, between us, we'll look a pretty decrepit pair lining up in Stockholm. You with a strapped ankle and me with a crepe bandage in my varicose vein. I should think the Americans will be falling about laughing. I reckon I can get into peak condition in three to four months. But what with the exams and the ankle, I've only done about six weeks. I did two weeks of fast stuff up in the hills, which was good. But running over rough ground, I turned my ankle, so that set me back. How about you? I've had my Uncle Jackie on my case. He'd have me out on the track twice a day every day if he had his way. He's like you in that respect. You have to be in shape, I grant you, but it's important not to get stale. You don't want to leave your best form on the training ground. I don't believe in ending a session absolutely exhausted. Go hard, but in a short burst. After a few minutes recovery, you want to be able to feel you could go again. If you get through the 1500 meter heats and then run in the final, it totals less than eight minutes of running. How much training do you need for that? Uncle Jackie didn't want me to go fishing in Norway. Wanted me to stay on in Oxford and be at Ifley Road. But I told him I was fit and that I needed to stay fresh. As it was, I had to cut the fishing short. What with the politics, I was half expecting the games might be called off so I could stay on in Norway. It's all fallen into place. You might have missed it being away. Baron de Coubertin pointed out to the Russians that the Tsar holds the title of Grand Duke of Finland. So? Quite how that solves the problem, I can't fathom. Maybe it's just a device to save Russia's face. Anyway, Russia has agreed now that the Finns can enter. Seems the Emperor of Austria is also titled King of Bohemia. So that's allowed the Bohemians in. I suppose on the same principle. And the Greeks gave up their demand that the games be in Athens every other time. When they looked at the costs, they came to their senses. So there's 26 countries taking part in 15 events. The events have been a devil of an issue. Everybody wants something they're good at and which no one else does. There was a rumor the French wanted Boule. I don't suppose anyone else would put out a team, but that wouldn't worry our cross-channel friends. <laughs> They'd happily take the gold on a walkover. <laughs> good move to come to eat here at the Opera Cafe. Looks like more fun than our digs at the Pontchon Carson had. It's a gala performance tonight, apparently. And what's the opera? Mozart, Marriage of Figaro. I've seen it a couple of times. Not sure if I'm up to it tonight. Anyway, it's almost sure to be sold out. Let's just have a leisurely dinner and turn in. It was quite a welcome this afternoon at the quayside with the crowds, mm. and the band and the speeches. 
Then the visit to the stadium. Fantastic place. Hmm. Menus in Swedish. There's a box which looks like the set menu. Should we have a couple of these, whatever it is? All right. Waiter, two of these, please. Now, we need to talk about how we're going to approach the running. On paper, we haven't got a hope in hell. The Americans are extremely strong. They've got seven athletes entered in the 1500 meters. I expect them all to make it through the heats, in which case they'll make up half of the 14 finalists. They've got maybe three runners who can take the gold. I expect the other four will be instructed to make sure it's one of the Yanks that wins. You mean they'll run practically? That's a nice way of putting it. I reckon that if they see a runner threatening their trio, they'll try and muscle him out of it. Box him in. Run him wide to make it difficult to pass. With 14 runners, there'll be all sorts of jostling going on. So who have the Yanks got? Who are the chaps to look out for? Well, let's look at their top four. There's Mel Shepard, the oldest man in the field at 28. Gold medalist from the last Olympics in London, 1908. Likes to run from the front and has a good finish. But I reckon he's trying to do too much this time. He's entered for the 400 metres, the 800 metres, the 1500 metres and the 4x400. Still, you can't rule him out. Norm Tabor's in the picture, college boy from Brown, only 20. Has a best time for the mile of 4.18. Looking at your best time of 4.22, if you both run to form, he'd win by about 25 yards. And he's the slowest of their top three. Then there's John Paul Jones, 21, another college boy from Cornell. He's done 4.16 for the mile, 40 yards ahead of you. Finally, there's Abe Kvyat, only 19, Jewish lad and tough. At his best, he'd beat you by about 50 yards. Holds the world record for the 1500 meters, set that last month, so he's on top four. Hmm. I must say you've really built up my confidence. Well beaten, out of the medals. Fourth place is the best we're looking at. Don't be alarmed. I just want you to take the opposition seriously. You've had it damn easy up till now. The others are runners, Jacka, but you are a winner. I can't win this race, but you can. We need to have a race plan, work together to see if we can get you to the tape first. Ah, here's our order. Goodness me, what's under those covers? Two huge lobsters. Oh dear, Shellfish doesn't usually agree with me. Let's see if we can get them changed to steaks. Oh God, that's enough. You must work on your stamina. I'm not worried about your finish, that'll take care of itself, but you have to be within striking distance before you go for home. I know, I know. So I think I'm going to call it a day. Anderson asked me to pace him over the hurdles. I was just running alongside on the flat. I had the devil of a job just keeping up with him. Something's wrong. Perhaps I'm getting stale or maybe it's the heat. I think I'll go and rest at the portal. Excuse me, gentlemen. Larry White, New York Times. May I have a few moments of your time? Who do I have the pleasure of addressing? Philip Baker. Arnold Jackson. I take it you are from Great Britain? Indeed. And in which events are you competing? We're both in the 1500 meters. Ah, uh, yes, I found you in the program. Well, you have my sympathy, gentlemen. And why is that? Because you're up against a pretty damn near unbeatable squad from the US of A. How do you rate your chances? We will be doing our best. 
Perhaps we can make the final and maybe spring a surprise. We are honored to be taking part. Taking part? Gentlemen, this is all about winning. Let me just point out to you who you're up against. Look over by the long jump pit. That's the US 1500 meter squad. Mike Murphy is a coach in the blazer and flannels. He's putting them through their paces. The small guy is Abel Kivier, hot favorite, world record holder. John Bull Jones is in the red and blue singlet. Mr. Jackson, I see from the program here that you're up against him in the heats tomorrow. Jones is second favorite. Mr. Baker, you've got the third favorite. Norm Tabor in your heat. He's got the big letter B for Brown University on his singlet. Mel Shepard, the current Olympic champion, is just apart from the rest. He has his own training program. Bit of a law to himself. You've heard about those chaps? And you still think you stand a chance? The others are McLear, Headland, and the big guy is Madeira. All three ought to make the final. Very fine runners who posted good times. Talking of times, I see your best for the 1500 meters here, Mr. Baker. Quite a bit off the pace, I have to say, but no time is recorded for Mr. Jackson. Is there any reason for that? Well, I'm afraid I've never run 1500 meters up to now. Tomorrow will be my first. Is that right now? Well, I never. Our readers will be interested to hear that. No more questions, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Goodbye now, <laughs> and good luck. Thank you for your kind wishes. Quite a charmer. You must think we're lambs to the slaughter. Well, we'll see. Oh, just to let you know, Jacka, I'm booking us in for dinner tomorrow night in the Grand Hotel. Food said to be the best in Stockholm. It'll be quiet and we can make plans for the next day. That's assuming we get through the heats tomorrow. Sir? I booked a table for two in the name of Baker. Oh, yes. Come this way, please, sir. I can see this is going to be expensive, but I think we should do it in style. I'll order champagne and we'll follow with port and cigars. To celebrate, we both made the final. Quite comfortable in the end. Although I'd be happy if you hadn't beaten Jones in your heat. You've alerted the Yanks as to how you run at your own pace and at a surge from about 250 yards, and they'll make plans accordingly. On today's showing in the heats, you're the only conceivable threat to me. I was worried I might not qualify with only the first two going through. Quite apart from never having run a 1500 meters before, I'm used to a track where a lap is a third of a mile, just because Italy Road has a bloody cricket pitch in the middle. Not only that, we run clockwise and never more than six in a race. Fourteen is a bloody nightmare at the start. All right, so you're a novice. Now here's what we do. Firstly, you don't want the Yanks jostling and deliberately spiking you at the start. You think they might do that? I thought you Quakers presumed the best in your fellow human beings. This isn't Quaker human nature. It's the Olympics. We're idealists, but we're also realists. If you're setting out to spike someone, the best place is from the start to the first corner. There's a great bunch, and it looks like an accident, especially if it isn't one of the winners that does it, but one of his teammates. So, I'll start off fast. You follow me. We'll get away from the pack. In no circumstances do I want you boxed in. You'll just be spike fodder if you are. When we get to the straight, I'll slow down and let them overtake. Then you go at your own pace and I'll follow. Suppose they stay back. All well and good. No one's going to outsprint you on the running. They carry on slow, you burn them off in the last 250 yards. 
They pick up the pace and overdo it, thinking they're running the finish out of you. They're also running the finish out of themselves. They have to get it just right. Meanwhile, we're going comfortably. Doesn't matter if a gap opens up. On the third lap, I'll pace you back into touch with the leaders. Stay on their shoulders, and with 2.50 to go, you can go for home. What about you? I'm quite happy to run myself out on the third lap. I just want to see those cocky yanks taken down a peg or two. After I've got you up to the leaders, I'll just try to hang on and see how I finish. I must say, it's awfully decent of you. I think there might be something in this Quaker spirit of service to others after all. Okay, listen up, you guys. Let's go over what's going to happen today. All of America is expecting us to go one, two, three in the 1500. Why? Because at this distance, we got the four fastest guys on the planet. Up to yesterday, I thought this was going to be a formality. Now I ain't so sure. Why is that, coach? The lineman who came in ahead of John Paul in the heats yesterday. This guy is very dangerous. Come on, coach. I can beat the guy. He's never run as fast as me. Look at the time in the heat. Four minutes ten. I can run under four minutes regular clockwork if I have to. But you didn't. My instructions were to win your heat. I didn't want any qualification foul-ups. Remember, it isn't the guy with the fastest time under his belt that wins the race. It's the guy who hits the tape first. We can handle him, coach. He ain't gonna be a problem. We got seven guys in the final. Let me see him off. I reckon they're letting the four hotshots run their own race and battle it out for the medals. Now I see we gotta make plans for the limey or we're gonna end up flat on our faces. Okay, 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 coach. So what's the plan? You saw the way Jackson ran yesterday. Just sauntering around like a Sunday afternoon stroll. And then, bam! 200 meters to go and he sets up like he's got a rocket up his ass. If he's in touch with the leaders with 200 to go, we're in big trouble. Don't worry. He won't be up with the leaders. Well, we don't want to take any chances. Keep him boxed in from the start. There's enough of you. With a bit of luck, he'll trip up. Nothing illegal in that, just good tactics. They do the same in our position. Then on the last lap, you run three abreast, so on the bend he has to go the long way round. The important thing is the pace. Too slow, and he'll outkick you. Too fast, and you'll die on the home straight. Now, McClure, Headland, Madeira. You've done great getting to the final. Now you're running for America, not for yourselves, not this time. You'll get your chance another year. Today you've got a job to do. Okay, guys, get out there and let's bring it home for Uncle right, Sam. Hubba hubba, let's go. Madeira, I want to work with you. Ladies and gentlemen, the next event will be the final of the 1500 meters. The runners are Henri Arnaud, France. Philip Baker, Great Britain. Eva Bjorn, Sweden. Frederick Edlund. United States, John Paul Jones, United States, Arnold Jackson, Great Britain, Abel Kiliat, United States, Louis Madeira, United States, Walter McClure, 
United States. Mel Shepard. United States. Irvin von Siegel. Germany. Norm Paper. United States. Ernst Wieder. Sweden. Jon Sander. Sweden. Gentlemen. On your marks. Not a bad start. Is that the French Milano leading at the bend? Yes, and, and Phil Baker right behind him. Then Jacka and then the pack. Come on, Lily White! They're, get, they're getting caught on the back straight. The pack's going past them. Mel Shepard's in the lead. What the hell's going on? They're dropping the pace. Shepard's slowing them down. This ain't what my boys need. Push on! Push on! They think because Shepard's the Olympic champion, he knows what he's doing. They're scared to go past him. Up it! Up the pace, for God's sake! Shepard's running for himself. He's slowing it because he's got to finish. But he's not running for the team. Too slow! Too slow! They're all watching each other. Phil and Jacker are right to the back now. There's quite a gap opened up. Must be 20 yards. Perhaps Jacker shot his bolt in the heats. They're running well over the four-minute pace. 105 for the first lap. At this pace, they're coming at 420. 25 seconds more than Kvyat's fastest. Come on! Press! Press! Thank God, Tabor's taking the lead. Work as a team. Take turns at the front. Second lap wasn't much faster. One minute three. Rotate the lead. If they keep hanging back, they'll play right into the hands of the fast finishers. Jacko and Baker look well out of it. Gosh, this is a disappointment after the way they both ran yesterday. I don't like to say it, but they look outclassed at this level. The third lap still looked goddamn slow. What was the time? One minute one. Faster, but still not what we need. Ah, Kvyat's taking the lead. Abel pushing along. Where the hell is Jones? He's not putting any pace in. He's third now, behind Tabor. Well, at least we got our big three in the picture. Oh, look at this, look at this. The Brits are closing the gap. Baker's pulling them back to the pack. They got a heck of a lot to do, though. Mel Shepard's faded. He's back marker for the pack now. Hell of a run by Baker. He's got Jackson back into it. Jackson's gone past Shepard. I don't like the look of this. Jackson's going some. Come on, Jacka, come on! Look out, you guys! Smarten up! Watch the limey! He's coming up fast! Keep him covered! Oh, my God! Did you see that on the back straight? Jacka seemed to stumble. Jacka was going past him. Madeira swung his right arm across to smash Jacka in the face! Oh, I say! Jacka ducked and Madeira missed. Lucky Jacka was a boxer. I tell you, the force of the blow swung Madeira right round. He's missed his stride. Madeira's last now. Jesus, that Madeira. You trust him to do just one thing and he bundles it. Big and stupid. Look at the Yanks now. They're blocking Jack around the final bend. Kvyat, Tabor and Jones are running abreast, all in the line. Jack has got to really run wide. They're neck and neck coming out of the bend. One Brit versus three Yanks. And come on, Jacka! Oh, God, tell me this isn't happening. Ten metres to go. Go on, Jacka! He's got him! Yes! Hurrah! Fantastic goal for Great Britain! What a fabulous race! Arnold Jackson won in 3 minutes 56.8 seconds, a new Olympic record. It's been calculated that if he hadn't had to run wide on the final bend, he would have beaten the world record of 3 minutes 55.8 seconds.
Philip Baker came sixth. It has been described as the greatest race ever run. After the Olympics, Jackson returned to Oxford to finish his law degree. In 1914, he joined the King's Royal Rifle Corps and served on the Western Front in the First World War. He was wounded in action three times and was awarded the Distinguished Service Order, a record four times. In 1918, he became the youngest brigadier general in the British Army. As a result of his wounds, Jackson was left with a limp and he never ran competitively again. In 1920, he emigrated to the United States, where he spent his working life. He returned in 1963 to England, where he died in 1972, aged 81. Philip Baker formed the Friends Ambulance Corps in 1914 and served as a non-combatant on the front line. He ran again in the 1920 Olympics in Antwerp and took the silver medal in the 1500 metres. Throughout his life, Philip Baker campaigned for disarmament. He became Labour MP for Coventry, and he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Peace in 1959. He died in 1982, aged 93. Jacker and Baker by Michael Hodd, directed by Emma Taylor, with Jethro Orkin as Philip Baker, Robin Forbes as Strode Jackson, Neil Sheffield as Larry White, Alex Dower as Murphy, Nick Cordron as Jones, narrator, and Brit 2, Paul Croft as Brit 1, and Bryee Arneson as the maitre d' and announcer. Music by Benjamin Cox. Jacker and Baker was produced by Marielle Raneka Temple and engineered and sound designed by Tashari King for the Wireless Theatre Company. Visit wirelesstheatrecompany.co.uk for more audio downloads.